Hallmark Quality Control. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hallmark Quality Control. I'm Ansley. I'm Morgan. Today we're resuming our series on When Calls the Heart. We're beginning season two. We're really excited to get back back into When Calls the Heart. And we're going to begin covering uh, episode one, Trials of the Heart. We're going to begin with a quick summary and then get the discussion started. As a new dawn breaks, bringing hope and optimism to Coal Valley, Abigail's opening her cafe and Elizabeth is getting a writing lesson from Jack. We also see the new judge arriving with a mining executive escort to begin the trial. Judge Black has died under mysterious circumstances, placing Judge Parker, an apparent friend of the mining company, at the head of the controversial trial set to begin soon. The town prosecutor arrives on the stagecoach and the widows are quickly dismayed to discover Sam Madison is a woman. In the meantime, Bill Avery and Abigail clear the air about his family situation. He reveals that his son died a few years ago and he lost his wife soon after. Abigail is apologetic and the two take an afternoon off, leaving Rosemary and Elizabeth in the cafe competing with Jack's lunch. Elizabeth receives an unexpected telegram saying that her mother is ill and that she needs to come home at once. Jack soon volunteers to escort her back to her family in Hamilton. Meanwhile, the town's star witness, Mr. Sweeney, arrives. He was the mine inspector called in by Noah Stanton. With little physical evidence, the entire case rests on his testimony. As Elizabeth and Jack arrive in Hamilton, Jack gets his first glimpse of the opulent life Elizabeth left behind. Jack meets the rest of the family. Bree meets Julie, uh, older sister Viola, and the father, William. He's invited at Elizabeth's insistence to a dinner party the next evening, which he tries to get out of, but can't really. With Viola planning to marry a British aristocrat, and Julie clearly not the responsible one, Elizabeth is feeling guilty, wondering who's going to take care of their ailing mother at home if she doesn't recover. Elizabeth's parents waste no time in maneuvering a meeting between Elizabeth and her childhood friend, Charles, who is now a rising employee at the Thatcher Company, while Jack catches up with his troublemaking brother in town. Back in Coal Valley, as the trial opens, Mr. Sweeney is called to the stand and unexpectedly recants his earlier statement that would have cleared Noah Stanton. He has clearly been bribed by the company and leaves town as soon as the court is in recess, leaving them in a bind. Samantha Madison tries to stall to no avail. However, just in the nick of time, a young woman appears to testify. The woman turns out to be Clara Stanton, the widow of Abigail's son, Peter. Clara presents a copy of the original mine safety report, and Judge Parker must rule in favor of the widows imposing the maximum penalty on the mining company and closing the mine completely and permanently. The Stantons are completely exonerated. As the town gathers in the cafe to celebrate, a mysterious and handsome stranger introduces himself as Leland Coulter and announces his intention to open a sawmill which would save the town's economy. Right on cue, Rosemary volunteers to show him around and quickly procures a ride on his motorcycle. Back in Hamilton at the Thatcher dinner party, Jack is trying to keep up with the snooty Aunt Agatha and Charles, who is clearly a preferred suitor from the family's perspective. Despite this, Jack makes it clear to Elizabeth's father that Elizabeth can be trusted to make her own decisions and that Jack is around to stay. 
With Elizabeth feeling the need to stay until her mother is fully recovered, Jack says he will be returning to Coal Valley the next day to resume his Mountie duties. The next day, Jack bids goodbye to his brother, trying one last time to convince him to stay out of trouble, with little result. At the last moment, Elizabeth appears to reassure Jack of her feelings and give him a parting kiss goodbye. As the town rallies and renames Coal Valley to Hope Valley, we are left with questions about Bill Avery and a suspicious parcel of money, as well as the big question, when will Elizabeth return home? There is a lot to cover in these episodes. We've got the trial going on in Coal Valley. We've got all of the family drama back in Hamilton. So let's start talking about the trial. We had some unexpected things happening there. I thought it was an interesting choice to open uh, by saying by getting rid of Judge Black, right? Which was something that they kind of had set up at the end of season one. And all of a sudden, Judge Black is suspiciously dead by a rattlesnake in his room or something. I don't know that he's, they, they said he was dead. The he was involved with. Um, and we get this new Judge Parker. What did you think of the way that they set up Judge Parker at the beginning of this trial? I don't know that they said that he was dead. I think they said um, that he had gotten bit by a rattlesnake, which I didn't necessarily take to mean like that was life-threatening, but that he just ended up leaving after that. I don't know. Hmm. Um, Because that, I feel like then there would need to be a trial over the murder of a judge, um, which would, you know, it just didn't sound like it was going that direction. But, um, yeah, it's probably just because they couldn't get uh, James Brolin to come back and guest star (laughs) again. So they just had to change it up. Well, I was also wondering, is it, can he really shut down the mine permanently? Like, I understand if he could rule that, like, the conditions were unsafe and you need to shut it down, but could you, as a judge, say, like, you can never do anything to that mine to ever open it back up again? I don't know. I I really wouldn't think so, but all throughout there, maybe I've just been watching too much Law & Order because I just felt like... All of the courtroom procedures were just so, like, things were out of order and just kind of happening. You're out of order. This whole thing is out of order. This whole thing is out of order. (laughs) Kind of, like, in whatever way he wanted. It was sort of, like, at his whim. Like... I want to um, hear another witness, even though she wasn't on the witness list. I And don't even though care. we're in the middle of closing statements, I want to hear that witness. It's like, they they set him up to be this, like, oh, that evil man is clearly in the pocket of the company. And then when the new, the new witness arrives and all of a sudden things are not looking good for the company anymore, the lawyer appears in the guy's room with a bag full of cash. You're like, okay, clearly they think this guy's open to bribery or they would not be trying it. I mean... Clearly, he's he's a little bit questionable. The fact that he was gambling with them really was not appropriate. Uh, you know, again, Western justice, whatever. But um, but then I don't know. I thought the the switch at the end, where he's not only is he not um, you know, not going to rule in favor of the company. He's gonna he took that bribe money. He's gonna give it to the widows fund. It kind of felt a little bit like where did that come from? Like this guy has not had scruples before. But are we supposed to, like, think that all along he's, he's, he's actually been looking out for justice and he took that bribe money but only to give it away? He yeah. just likes to surprise people and be contrary to what people are thinking he's going to do. So he likes he's to come He's just on a power town. trip. Yeah, he comes into town and everybody thinks that, oh, the widows, you know, he, he should rule in favor of them. But no, he's against them. and He's with the mining. Co- and then he flips because I just feel like he's just a contrarian. 
And then, I mean, there's the whole Sam Madison thing on top of that, which I thought they kind of, like, were making an issue there where they didn't really need to be one about, this Sam Madison has such a reputation. They're supposed to be such a good lawyer. And then, Sam Madison's a woman. Well, yes. she, she can't possibly, she couldn't possibly win. I mean, what are we going to do? How can she know anything about the law? Did you even graduate? And then she... It was just Florence. Yeah. <laughs> Florence yeah. just needs to take a chill pill. <laughs> but, but you know, and then and then Sam Madison, Samantha, rather, has to, like, declare her credentials. And then she goes and gets, like, a 48-hour continuance, which really is, like, less than she wanted. And everybody's like, wait, maybe she is a real lawyer. <laughs> it's like, then, yeah, she didn't get what she wanted, but okay. And then at the end, like, really, the the everybody's like, wow, Sam Madison's amazing. She literally, all she did to find Claire Stanton was a public document search. Like, exactly. the marriage is a, is a matter of public record. Like, there was I'm pretty sure they would have had to do here. that legally to know who to distribute the widow money to anyway. Yeah, you would think so. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, they were clearly, like, trumping that up to be, like, a female empowerment moment. I just thought it was kind of, like... Well, she's okay. <laughs> like she's she's not that impressive. <laughs> but, you know, having having the female lawyer is maybe like this is a nod to the theme that they're continuing, right? From season 1 of this town is a matriarchy, right? There's there's men who are there to keep up the industry, but all these stories other than pretty much Jack, like all these stories revolve around the women. Even Bill is a side character to Abigail, you know? Like this is about the women. So, you know, I guess they're, they're sticking with that theme in that way. But, um, yeah, it was, I, oh, and I just have to say the court noises. Did you hear the gasping in the court? It was like, as soon as anything happened, like not even a second, it was, (gasps) it was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was unbelievably loud. It was Judge Reader up in there. Like it was so loud. Like Judge Judy would not allow that kind of outbursting. In her court, like, I know this is the Wild West, but come on. Like, it was so over the top. Like, I could not stop laughing. It was so extra. Oh, but we also, um, in Ham, not in Hamilton, in Coal Valley, we get, there's a couple other sort of side things that happen. We've got the appearance of the mysterious Leland Coulter on his motorcycle and with his leather trench coat, which, of course, immediately catches Rosemary's interest. Cause yeah. She's always looking out for the flash, you know, the flashy people in town. Um, what did you think about, like, how they set him up and they tried to kind of make him a man of mystery? Did that, like, work with Rosemary? I just like Lee. He's just a good character. The most interesting man in Canada. <laughs> you kind of, and Rosemary is, like, immediately intrigued by this thing. And I feel like he does a nice job of not, like, I feel like Rosemary's a woman who probably has, as they alluded to earlier in the episode, actually, like, Rosemary can't remember all of the people that she's dated, you know? So, like, to have a mysterious, handsome stranger come into town on a motorcycle and not really, he's not really giving Rosemary the kind of immediate attention and satisfaction she maybe is used to getting from men. And I think that's kind of what creates more interest on her part is, like, I can't quite figure this guy out or he's not immediately drawn to me. Like I'm going to actually have to maybe like work at looking interested in him, um, which is maybe different from a lot of, a lot of other, even relationships with the other ladies in the town. Like when Rosemary came to town at the end of season one, all the ladies just flocked to her cause she's so extravagant and 
you know, boisterous and all of that. And I feel like Lee sees that, but it's not like an immediate, he's not infatuated with her immediately. Well, I feel like he gives her kind of a middle of the road response to things yeah. like enough to kind of, I mean, he kind of pokes at her like, are you following me? Like you followed me yeah. in the woods. Did you want to ride? Like he's kind yeah. of making her put herself out there a little bit. But he's also engaging with her in a way where they are able to communicate and, like, you know, he's not, like, outright rejecting her and making her work Mm -hmm. too hard, but he also isn't just, like, throwing himself at her either. Yeah. Man of the world, Lee Coulter. I also (laughs) thought it was funny, there's, like, little, when he pulls into town on the motorcycle, um, you could hear, maybe it's just the extras noises in this episode were just a little over the top. Yeah. You could could hear like, there was a, there was a dialogue in the back where somebody's like, look at that bike. He's, (laughs) he's not even pedaling. I really haven't. (laughs) I I was just cracking up the little, little, it was like all these gasping. He's not even pedaling. (laughs) They're like, oh, I've never, never seen a motorcycle before. Yeah, but I mean, the timing really is pretty convenient for Lee to, like, swoop in and save the town economy just as the the trial was ending. I kind of had forgotten how quickly, like, how quickly the trial was actually resolved because they do spend, like, the entire first season building up this trial and then we need evidence and then we need to get the judge and then a lot of what actually happened in in the trial wasn't really... um, in specific ways related to things that happened in season one as far as like we've never heard of this mr sweeney guy before it was just all kind of ended up being about that piece of paper and whether the piece of paper was real or not and yeah it's like well could we not have figured that out sooner before now i did think rosemary had several good comebacks in that scene to uh different things elizabeth was saying and i thought that one of the funniest ones was um that, you know, Rosemary said, well, I made chicken fried steak. I'm not sure what what Elizabeth made. And um, she says something about, well, perhaps we can get Mr. Avery. He is a forensic expert. I just thought yeah. that was really, actually pretty funny. Like, yeah, there were there several was... funny lines uh, in yeah. this episode. There were there were some good, good one-liners in there. But I thought that, like, competitive look between Elizabeth and Rosemary was a contrast, perhaps, to what we see in Hamilton at the dinner party with Jack and Charles because clearly they're setting up this dynamic of Charles is the family favorite, the childhood friend. They've been destined since birth to be together is, you know, the the mantra clearly coming from her father. And Jack, Jack like, doesn't, you know, Elizabeth kind of insists that he come to this dinner party. Like, he's like, I don't want to impose. Like, no, it's not a position, right, Dad? Right, Dad? It's like, I think oh, it's more that Jack yeah, is picking come. up on the fact that they don't want him there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jack, it's not that Jack doesn't want to go necessarily. It's yeah, just right. that, like, his her family obviously doesn't want him there. Clearly. Clearly. But, you know, he's invited. He comes. He shows up with a hostess gift because his mama raised him right, even if it's plainer flowers than the fancy. His mama didn't raise his brother right, but we can get to that later. Yeah, really, though. <laughs> but... But, you know, even through the whole dinner party, they clearly, especially Aunt Agatha, made some snotty remark about where's his horse. Didn't He didn't bring, man, are we going to have the horse at the dinner party? You know, it's like, Well, okay, and then really. they're the ones who talk about horses at the dinner table the whole time. So she's making fun of him. Like, <laughs> did he just come from the stables? But then you guys are the ones talking about horses. Yeah. Like, and they, they're trying to, like, establish this, like, 
we're the upper crust people and you're oh just word. some some oh horse word. rider from the country and he i really felt like part of me expected them to like have jack be really affronted by that and he just did his thing like he rolled he with came, it he came to the party he brought the hostess gift he wore his suit even though it wasn't a tux he sat down at the dinner party you know across from elizabeth and he didn't insert himself in an obnoxious way into the conversation or try and keep up in things he didn't know about he just was there and was a pleasant person and when when elizabeth's father kind of corners him and says like hey buddy basically charles is the family favorite and elizabeth elizabeth uh doesn't can't make her own decisions and we know what's best for her and we don't want her to get trapped into something some fantasy out there that turns out to be not what she wants and jack just kind of says you know what elizabeth's capable of making her own decisions and i believe in that and you know if she does that i think she's gonna be just fine sort of not not in an obnoxious way but like hey i'm here and elizabeth can make up her own mind i thought that was a really nice we see elizabeth and rosemary we've seen them be so like grasping and the competition has been so ugly on them and i thought it, it was much more attractive on jack that he didn't feel like he had to rise to that well even charles did a better job of handling it than, than either rosemary or elizabeth in their situation like mm-hmm. i mean he's being friendly he's making it known that he wants to throw his hat in the ring but yeah. he's not doing it in a way where he's entirely rude. And if anything, I think Elizabeth was mm-hmm. the one who was being weird about Jack being there. She kept trying to say, Jack, he doesn't he doesn't drink uh, 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 maybe at dinner, but uh, or at all. Like it was she was the one who was like she making was it weird. Awkward. And Jack yeah. was way more at ease than she gave him credit for being. So mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, just her in this whole episode, like her when she's in Hamilton is just not that good of a version of her. Like no, when she sees her not. the girl at the train station, Regina Allen, how are you? And then and she, Regina Yeah, pl- she picked up where did that accent come from? Like she picked up a Hamilton accent or something. Oh my like, word. Whoa. No, you're Elaine. <laughs> like they just they tried to to make it into like Downton Abbey or something. And it's like it's not it's a different sh- it's just a show about the yeah. the frontier. Yeah, and I mean, can I just say that all of the establishments in Hamilton look like small mom and pop hipster stores in Nashville? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's like your class downtown business. of a hip city. Yeah, like uh. whatever that bar that Jack met his brother at was like. This is a hipster coffee shop. Yeah, it had a chalkboard with a vodka and gin written on it, or whatever. Like it was writing. They were <laughs> yeah, writing all the alcohol chalkboard. on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh please. And, I mean, even the even the dress. The, where all the sisters are out shopping, which was so, like, they just added such a layer of pretension to Elizabeth. Like, you can, cle- like, I know that she came from this pretentious background, but can we show that she's, like, grown as a person? Because She's fighting. About- she's perky. She's just icky when she's in the city. I just, I just- don't care for it. <laughs> icky in the city. Oh. In there, David's bridal's mother of the bride <laughs> That really, that, it was like they had clothes for Elizabeth and they just were like, hey, Julie can just wear these. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, oh my word. Okay, I've got things to say about the mother. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay, so the premise, the premise of the whole thing is that Elizabeth has to come back immediately. Her mother has fallen ill. But as soon as she gets to the house, 
And she asks, she asks about her mom and they're like, well, she's doing better today or whatever. But she immediately makes plans with Jack to go into the city. And I'm like, if you were that worried about an ailing parent yeah. and the whole point of the trip was coming out here to see your sick mom and the first thing you do is just make plans with your boyfriend, then it wasn't really about your mom, was it? And also, her mom's not that sick. I mean, she every once in a while goes, oh, and holds her head. But other than that, she's fine. <laughs> and like, why are they acting like one of the sisters has to be with her? They have yeah. so much money, they could hire a nurse. Oh, my word. <laughs> I mean, she was at the party. And Elizabeth's like, I have to stay around until my mother's completely healed. Of what? She's fine. She's up at, she's at a party with everybody else. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she, it's like, they staged this thing like, I've gotten a telegram and my mother is deathly ill. I have to go to Hamilton immediately. And then she gets to Hamilton, she's like, Oh, look, there's that one lady at the train station. I'm sure they've sent the car. And, oh, look, let's let's all just uh, con- converse in the in the um, in the hall and and talk and make play. Oh, look, there's mother. It's like this lady is sitting downstairs in full clothing, which probably included, included a corset. And she has her hair up. Don't tell me this lady is ill. Like you ain't you aren't downstairs with a full hairdo and a corset on if you are deathly ill. It's just, it's the, it's purely parental manipulation. It's, it's her parents using this to get her back because they're worried about her. Mm -hmm. They were already worried about her. If we look back at season one, when, you know, they heard about what happened with Julie and they, they just are concerned. They Mm -hmm. tried to get her back by having a school offer her a position at the end of season one. She turned that down. The next play is, oh, your mom's sick. You should come back. And now that she's back, it's like, oh, hey, Charles is here. It's like they're doing everything yeah. that they can to, like, manipulate the circumstances to make Elizabeth feel like she needs to be back with them. And it's kind mm-hmm. of working. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. And it's, yeah, it really is a very thinly veiled effort. You get the sense maybe more from her father than the mother, although I think you could say the mother is definitely a party to it. But also, like... Charles makes some remark about how, well, perhaps your father is thinking about going into business in Cape Fullerton, and, and, oh, father wouldn't visit me in Coal Valley. We have so few creature comforts. It's like, are you serious? Like, you don't have a sushi restaurant, so you think you live in the backwoods? This is a man we're talking about, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, you have a, a saloon hotel, and you're building a church building, and you live in a cafe, like, with a guest room. I don't really think that this is you're not living in the sticks like there's i know there have been outlaws and things but really like we're not talking about the middle of nowhere it's yeah i thought that was a little we have so few creature comforts and it's like uh, yeah i just felt it the whole thing i think is elizabeth feels like a different person here which you know is maybe some good setup for conflict between her and jack like which one's the real elizabeth but the the hamilton in town fancy dressing elizabeth is totally unattractive yes and also the way that she fake plays piano is horrible okay she's so bad and rosemary was actually pretty good at it yeah exactly And the con- they have that scene right one right after another, and Elizabeth and Charles are like flailing their elbows like a chicken, and then, then and like giggling incessantly, and then literally cuts to a scene of Rosemary playing in the saloon. And I was looking; they actually they show you know they're confident in her ability to either fake it or actually play it because they showed her from the key side of the piano 
um, where you could actually see her hands. And it was pretty convincing. Also, though, the, the song that Elizabeth and Charles were playing was clearly not appropriate for the time period. I just have to put that out there. That's what classy people listen to while they eat peach melba. <laughs> yeah, and when when Elizabeth is staring out the window like an episode of Days of Our Lives, uh, it, Agatha comes up and says, you know, maybe you should just go talk to him. Have you told him how you feel? It's like, oh, yeah, maybe I should do that. It's like, yeah. yeah. She didn't exactly profess her undying love. No, and you can tell that it's just because the show, like the writers and the producers are still in that stage of like, we're a conservative frontier town show, cheek kissing only right now, except for very special moments and stuff. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. that's only going to last so long. <laughs> we got to make that special. Now we're just cheek kissing from here on out, you know, because that mean, was a big deal. They're just following the Hallmark Channel rules, okay? If you give away a real kiss too soon in the movie, it's it feels untrue, is what is what Hallmark probably thinks, but... Let's take a moment and talk about some annoying side characters that were happening Julie! here. Okay, I've got a list here. We've got Julie, we've got Jack's brother Tom, we have Bill, and we also have Mr. Mayor, who made the, a the very drunk small mayor appearance. who drunkenly changes the drunk he, name of the drunk he town. He's he so drunk all the time. <laughs> he literally only appeared. He literally only appeared for like, hey, let's change the name hey. of the town. Which, surprisingly, Elizabeth had nothing to do with. When he, refreshing. when he pulls the thing down, it lands on him because he can't move out of the way because he's drunk. He's just always a little sloshed. He it's, is a figurehead if ever I saw one because he does. He cannot possibly be doing anything for this town. We didn't yeah. even see Dottie in these episodes, but I just That's thought, true. right there, you were, like, doing a Barney Five voice. He is very much like Barney Five when he's trying to pretend to be in charge of things. You're like, now, you all, thank you all for coming out today. We've had a great turnout. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, we, okay, what about, what about Bill? What about Bill and the whole, is he married I'm or is he? I'm skeptical of Bill. Can, can we I'm just saying I'm skeptical of Bill because it. he had a big yes. cash envelope, a big package of wrapped cash. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> I like I like how Lee accidentally discovers this and just makes conversation like everything's cool. Hey, you know? Bill. Like, what you doing like there, hey, Bill. Are we having a good day there? <laughs> Looks like you're having a good day. Yeah, look yeah. at that. Bill and Bill tries not to be awkward, but I don't really buy it. But they definitely too. I think I paid. I was paying more attention because we have seen this before, but without giving away spoilers, right? I I was paying more attention to what how Bill approached that, and he sort of was like at first mystified about why Abigail was even mad at him, and then sort of indignant, like yeah, and then said that his son had died a few years ago, and he lost he lost his wife shortly after, and then kind of just. Like, Abigail's, oh, well, that's completely different. Like, I guess we're good again. You know, the whole thing was, like, a little, feeling a little bit, I don't know. There's something smarmy about him. It could just be the way that, that um, 
you know, he's playing the character, but there's a little bit of a... But, you know, I got that feeling from him in season one, too. Like, he oh, yeah. comes in, and he thinks he's, like, slick stuff, you know? And then he's, yeah, he like, does. dropping money around town. He's kind of like, there might be something else there. Uh, I think we should maybe table discussion of Bill until later, because we know there's going to be more developments yes. in, mm-hmm. like, just everything from the money and all of that. Yeah. We're going to find more out, so... But yes, he is shady. I agree. All right, so Julie and Tom. What do we think about... Julie was, like, very... They both were sort of, I don't know, just annoying. Julie was just annoying. Like, she always is annoying. And I just... It's so... I don't... I don't... What were they thinking when they wrote her character like this? Like... They were like, how can we annoy everybody? Yeah, Mission that's it. accomplished, because... <laughs> Yeah, if there's someone worse than Elizabeth, then maybe we'll like Elizabeth. Well, and I think they they seem like they're setting up Jack's brother Tom in like a similar sort of capacity of like, look at how great Jack is trying to keep his his baby brother out of trouble, even though he punches people and owes money. You know, it's like yeah, and then both of them getting thrown out of the the pub is not a good look for Jack. <laughs> that was no. not good. Especially when they land on the sidewalk in front of the Thatcher sisters. Which, you know, of course, intrigues Julie. Like, oh, he literally, he literally landed at my feet. What was I supposed to do? It's like, okay, Julie, thanks for that. Ugh. Ugh. We need to stop talking about her. I'm just starting to get sick. Well, we can, we can hope that she's, uh, has a lesser role in upcoming uh, upcoming episodes, however, the question remains, how long will Elizabeth be in Hamilton and uh, hobnobbing with the hipsters? Only time will tell, I guess. Any closing thoughts? I just want to say, because I'm ever interested in the progression of the character that is Mr. Gowan. Um, he, mm. So he obviously is pretty spiteful and mean in this episode. Um, but it's interesting, you know, he kind of thinks that he has the upper hand in the trial and then he ends up getting ruled against, but the judge says he can only rule against the company, even though he knows Gowan's a liar, he just can't legally do anything about it, which why did, has that ever stopped this judge before? I don't really understand. <laughs> yeah. But, um, anyway, so Gowan ends up kind of coming out of it looking like a bad character, probably is a bad guy, but he legally is kind of scot-free But he Mm. says that there's just so much opportunity around Hope Valley that he's going to stay around and everything, which I really, like, he should just move on. Like, I don't really understand that. Um, Because it doesn't seem like he has any family, and he doesn't have any ties to anything, and now that his job is closed down, like, I don't really know why he wants to stay around. Um, But also, we see that there's the beginning of this, well, not maybe the beginning, but sort of this um, antagonism with Bill that goes to another level where you start to, they start to throw in jabs that make it seem like Gowan knows Bill personally. And I don't really remember that from season one. I don't really Mm -hmm. remember them necessarily acting like the two of them had history. But in this one, you can definitely tell some of the things Gowan said toward Bill, like, oh, you're one to talk about morality or whatever. Especially in front of Miss Stanton. You're like, how does he know that? That's a good point. Right. Like, they didn't really set that up in season one. I feel like they're trying to start setting that up now. I think that's kind of an interesting thing to watch for. Like, how is that going to develop? It kind of seems like he would be a guy who would just go back to Hamilton. But maybe he'd rather be a big fish in a really tiny pond than be, you know, a tiny fish in a a big pond. I I just keep coming back to this sense of 
I think Gowan would rather would rather rule this town, you know, like he he you not really sure. I don't remember how long he's been in this town with the mining company, but he was a person of position and power in this town and apparently knows things about Bill that other people don't. And I, I'm not sure if they said that, you know, whether Judge Black was just killed or just injured or whatever. They they sort of imply between Gowan and the company lawyer that that Gowan knows something about that, too. You get the idea. He's got his hand in a lot of things like that. Like, um, he's got dirt on people. Like, he, when he offers, when he sort of says, hey, Lee, you might want to <clears throat> offer me a job because the last the last sawmill didn't do very well. You kind of get the idea. His expertise, his expertise is the people in this town and people in this area and the dirt that and knowledge that he's acquired on these people, which he spins to his advantage. And if he goes, if he moves somewhere else, he loses that advantage. And even maybe sort of like, you don't say there's like a personal vendetta a little bit. Like he was a person of position in this town and now he's, He's been put out of his job, but he's kind of he's kind of the cat with nine lives. He's going to keep reappearing and reincarnating new versions of himself to get back to the kind of position he wants. I got a few quotes to throw at you. Like when you start out with the first scene is good morning, children. And then after that, (laughs) they go immediately into... Jack throwing Elizabeth on a horse and saying, you look queasy. Did I say queasy? I meant really happy. Like, that was just (laughs) terrible writing. And I think when he said, you look queasy, he was referring to me watching that scene because that's how I felt. That was just terrible. And, like, there were just a couple times where the writing was just really bad. And that was one of them that really stuck out to me. Well, and then also you've got, like, Florence being just such... A stereotype. Such a downer. downer. So they win the trial, right? All the widows are going to get this money. They're going to get a fresh start in life. But the mine has closed. And she goes, I don't know why you guys are celebrating because the mine's closed. And what are we going to do? This town's going to fall apart. And it's just like, Florence, can you just be happy that all the widows got their revenge at at court today? Like, can you just be happy (laughs) about that? You're going to get some money. You're going to get a payout. You're going to be fine. Like, yeah. I remember in the first season, she said something about if 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 I don't if something doesn't happen, I'm gonna have to go live with my mother. And it's like, well, just do that then. I don't I don't go understand. Florence, go to your mother, go back. <laughs> yeah, I do like and another another thing I wrote down just as a random thing that I liked was that um, Tom keeps referring to Elizabeth as Princess Elizabeth, and I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Tom, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He's a man with street smarts. Yes, yeah. Well, I and I just think if you take this episode, if this episode is an indication of the season's direction as a whole, the things that were successful, I thought, in season one were the... The relationships between Elizabeth and students, the stories of students. Which we saw none of. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, gravity and, like, real life dealing with grief and hardship. And then this is, like, a complete... 180 from that where it's it's there's nothing about elizabeth and the students because she's not even there it's all about it's like they're they truly are setting up this soap opera drama between her and jack and charles and i just that's not what i came to this show for you know like they're trying they're they're trying to keep things going in the town 
you know, with Abigail and all of that, which is okay, maybe still decently successful. But I think they're they're making Elizabeth's character. They're taking the least successful part of her character and making they made the entire episode about the part of her character that is least attractive they're taking like instead of doing what they're good at they've decided to change it and try to copy other shows like they think that women just Mm want to watch other women be fancy in in the 1910s and it's like yeah that's not why we were watching this show that's not what we enjoyed about this show we enjoyed and what like you said what was successful at season one was how real it was and i had forgotten how real it was after watching it back it's like they dealt with some pretty serious situations and now we're just like nah let's forget all of that we'll get the trial out of the way and now we're just gonna be in like drama and adult relationship things and yeah and like yeah. let's go try and dress as a jc penny and just it's just like <laughs> <laughs> come on yeah <laughs> or like hey children it's been so long since i've seen you because we're not in school right now because they're, because they're building, building a building and they're and they're also taking over the saloon for the trial like Oh, look, it's Charles, that man that I grew up with and have been lifelong friends with, even though he's never made a romantic move on me until I moved out of the West and my parents are now trying to maneuver a meeting between us. (laughs) Well, I think we have a lot more of that to, uh, should I say, look forward to in the the, uh, (laughs) dread and fear. Make note of in the uh, upcoming episodes of this season. Definitely, I feel like we're they've taken a turn here. They're making some intentional choices, and uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see if they pay off. I personally, I'm not sure it's looking not looking that that good from right now. But we'll see what what they uh, what direction they take. Well, thanks for tuning in to our discussion of One Calls the Heart season two, episode one. We're excited to get back into into the series and as you can tell we are going to have a lot of thoughts about this season so stay tuned for our next episode on season two episode two